Hey there. Before we start this episode of Jackson Film Club, the podcast, we wanted to let you know that if you like what we do and you want to support us, you can make a one-time donation using Venmo at JXN Film Club, or you have the option to make uh, recurring donations by visiting our anchor profile at anchor.fm slash JXN Film Club. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to Jackson Film Club, the podcast. This is a new episode. I'm Sam Grafe. And I'm Michael Lamb. We are joined finally, and finally... Oh, wow. <laughs> That's sad. By Brennan White. Hey, what's up? I'm Brennan White. Hey, Brennan. The man behind the magic. You may notice that, wow, this man's voice is so much smoother and, and more butterier than everyone else's. And it's not because my voice is nicer. It's because I, I just happen to give myself the nicest mic because this is my studio and I paid for it and I can do that. Mm-hmm. You also gave yourself the most comfortable chair. Which, I did. Hands down. I, I, I agree. Yes. You, this is your house. This is your the most, studio. I do live here. And you have the best beard behind me and Michael. Yeah. Oh, best, say so. best beard in the room. Oh, best beard in this chair. How about that? Yeah, I'll <laughs> go with that. Well, we're here to talk about your top 20. Yeah. Because you've sat through about 100 of them, but you haven't actually given us your top 20. Which is really funny. Because I wasn't even like, I I really love movies and I've kind of always, I always have, but I've never thought about them methodically the way that y'all do. So listening Mm. to this podcast, I say listening loosely, editing (laughs) excruciatingly painful pops and clicks of mouth noises like all the time. Uh, and amidst all that, hearing the discourse between you guys about movies has really, uh, I wouldn't say kicked my butt into gear, but I've been like, oh, I like movies and here's why. Here's the reason why I like this movie. Yeah. You know? So before we dive into your list then, uh, I'm curious just to hear your thoughts uh, in general, like from the beginning of us recording the Jackson podcast? Film Club, the podcast to now. Instantly, I loved the relationship between you two guys. Because Sam's cold heart. <laughs> <laughs> I would see it the other way around. And Michael's uh, comfortability with silence is <laughs> such a funny relationship because you're just, the first few episodes, you roasted the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. And he just was like, um, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I, just, I just take it. <laughs> but it, it's, but I also loved how which I've had to go through and like crop out certain silences, you know, but we talked this before, like why you love and appreciate silence so much. And because you, you love waiting for other people's reaction, mm-hmm. excuse me, I had to burp other people's reactions before you speak. And I think that's, that says a lot about who you are as a person, but y'all's dynamic. I just, from the very first episode, I was like, this is going to be so fun. And I remember pitching to you guys saying like, Oh, you guys should have like a joke at the top. Like, don't take it too seriously. Like, this is the Jackson Film Club podcast. Oh, welcome back to, the, you know what I mean? <laughs> what's Where up, everybody? What's up, everybody? And it's just like, Be sure know. to smash that like button. Yeah, when people take themselves way too seriously. Also, that's my mom's cat, by the way. You're hearing jingling. I'm having a cat sitter for a week. Anyway, um, ignore that jingling. I should. I probably should have taken her collar off before this, but, um, but yeah, so we uh, when we started the podcast, I was like, this is going to be so funny, dude. I just love y'all's dynamics as a duo. Um, I just, I think it was amazing, you know, and there's been so many funny moments where I've like, like crap myself laughing almost like <laughs> up in the studio while you guys are tracking downstairs. Oh, um, that's nice. 
I obviously like my mic isn't on up here, but I'm just like cackling to myself. You know? Anything we, anytime we can be a natural laxative, I'm happy about that. <laughs> mm. That's that, good. That was a good joke. I guess we should. <laughs> that was uh, pretty. That was pretty good. Thanks, nice, Sam. <laughs> we were literally contemplating, like, we have a joke before this, right? And none of us did, um, or they, none of them were good or appropriate or, or at all, like how we wanted them to be. But right. the laxative joke killed just now. I mean, it made me laugh at least. I don't know. I thought it kind of stunk. Well. <laughs> You can't ever really go wrong with poop and fart jokes. Yeah, they're pretty silly. <laughs> let's get into it, guys. Yeah, let's if do I it. can be frank with you, uh, I would rather you be Sam. All right. So I almost said that, but then I was like, you know what? That's not funny enough. And then Michael just—I'll <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll take just, that. Let, just, just let it. Michael take the load. Just ran food. with it. Right. That's great. We're we doing Brennan's top twenty. Yes. So Brennan, we're gonna start at the bottom of your list. Yes. With start at the bottom. And work uh, our way to the top. I don't personally believe there's a bad movie on this list. I'm sure Sam or, well, you might disagree too. I know we talked a little bit before that we started. Um, there's a couple on here. I will admit that I've only seen one time, but for a good reason. There's one movie on here specifically that I saw one time and it messed me up so bad that I was like, I can never watch that again, or at least not for a couple years because it was so good, but so intense that I couldn't, you know, bear to watch it again. Wow. Um, so yeah, moving on. So the first on my list is Garden State. Um, the soundtrack, the overall theme of this movie about coming alive and realizing that you've been numb to your entire life. And then all of a sudden coming to the realization that like, you're rather like, I mean, you guys know this. Have you guys seen this movie? Have I haven't. I've never even heard of it. Mm. I you and I have talked about it in the past. Yes. It's such a good film. It, not even because it's anything spectacular, but because it, it is real life. It's ordinary in the best way. And it's a small, and I don't know if it's A24 or something else. I really don't. Um, it's 2004. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, A24. That's 2006? Uh, 2012? I think it was 2011. Oh, you're right. You're right. It was 2011. Um, I only know that because at the end of the movie I saw recently, that was an A24. They said that like started or established 2011. Mm. But it's a beautiful movie. I watched it years ago and didn't really get it. And then I got to be older and watched it again, like the last year and a half or so. And was mm. like, this is such a good film. Um, yeah. And Zach Who's Braff. Is, Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah. Zach Braff. I think he directed it. He yeah. Directed I didn't it realize too. he was a director. Uh, he's directed a lot of stuff apparently. Um, also, if I don't know a lot about these movies and like who is in them and everything, please forgive me because I'm I'm not a film buff whatsoever. But I do have movies I appreciate. So that's the that's the first one to me. Like that's I think I gave it like three and a half, yeah, three and a half stars, something like that. Um, it's not top five or anything like that, but it is. It's a very good film. It's it's slow building the whole time, but in a lot of nice little nuanced ways. I think. Mm. Um, number two is Stranger Than Fiction. Number nineteen. Oh, sorry. You're right. My bad. We're going backwards. Uh, <laughs> 19 is Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, have you guys both seen this one? I haven't. You uh, haven't? I have not. That's so good. So this is uh, one of the only Will Ferrell properties that I really enjoy. Like authentically, yeah. genuinely enjoy. Um, Besides well, it just I being like Talladega funny the Nights, whole time. Yeah. But all of the other comedies are, are basically copy paste. And sure. with Stranger Than Fiction... There was just a, a an art house dynamic there that mm -hmm. still felt mainstream because it's Will Ferrell. Yes, uh, and I, I appreciated that that all worked really well together because it could have flopped. Bad, yeah. It could have tried to be too funny, you know. 
Um, but so, it was a serious film, though. I thought it was really good. It was it was serious, but it still had levity. Yes. Yeah. Good uh, work. What was it that draw you that drew you into this film? I don't know what it is. I really have a thing for comedians doing serious things mm. because the range of a comedian's emotions, because they have to understand tragedy in order to grasp what it means to be truly joyful and happy in their life. That's why I feel like comedians are so good at examining average things in life and making a joke of it because they're finding the comedy amidst the suffering, you know? Mm. And this this movie is no different. It's literally a comedic actor or predominantly comedic actor, I should say, doing a role that's a lot more serious. And he's he's totally captures the range of emotions that a person would go through. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone maybe who's only a, a mostly serious actor and doesn't know like what it means to be have like good timing, even um, maybe would not have been a, a better fit for the role. So I, I mean, I really love that film. Um, You've got a couple more movies higher up on the list exactly. of, of comedians. That's a theme. And I read, a, like, I pretty much exclusively read books by comedians because they're usually the most moving books you can find because of their understanding of comedic timing and also understanding tragedy and mm. sorrow and joy at the same yeah. time. They're good storytellers. Yes, so that's, that's what you put it. Have you ever heard of the game The Stanley Parable? Uh, no, I have not. You have not. Uh, Sam, you don't seem like a PC gamer to me. No. Um, and so. I do. <laughs> well, you never know. So Stanley Parable, uh, I think it was first released like 10 years ago. They just re-released the Ultra Deluxe Edition in which they add new content and they can't decide whether or not it's like a prequel or just an update or if it's a sequel. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's really funny. But the premise in, to this game is similar to sort of the premise in Stranger Than Fiction oh. where you have this narrator who's talking about the character and then something just curious happens. I mean, in the movie, I mean, it's Will Ferrell who's reacting, but in the Stanley parable, it's like, you're the person behind the keyboard and this narrator is telling, basically describing what you are doing, but they're saying that it's Stanley. And then you get to like this first decision that you get to make, which is taking a door on the left or a door on the right. Mm -hmm. And I pretty immediately rebelled. So, right. (laughs) Uh, the the what's interesting about that game is that there's so many different endings, whereas with oh. the movie you can only have one ending. Sure, so. that's interesting. Yeah. I'm still not going to play because I don't like video games, right. but, um, but that does cool sound. Story, that yeah. sounds really cool though. It's worth watching. You can just find it on YouTube. Like find watch the game, a playthrough. Play yeah, because it's like an do, hour and a half. Do you have? Are there like several playthroughs where if like if you chose this, like all the different endings mm-hmm. and stuff? That's cool. that's interesting. Um, honorable mentions, by the way, on this Stranger Than Fiction film, uh, Emma Thompson's in it. Mm. And she did so good. She plays the uh, uh, the writer. Remember, Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. She's a uh, Trelawney, and uh, yeah. What else is she in? She was in Harry Potter. That's right. She was the author. Yes, exactly. And she couldn't decide and how she get to. Yes. Yeah. We can spoil it, right? But she did decide. She could not decide old. how to end her book. <laughs> This is from 2006. We can tell the ending of this movie. Yeah, and the book, uh, <laughs> so the book is Will Ferrell's life, Will yeah. Ferrell's character's life. And then, so he obviously has some input on what he, how he wants that to end because he doesn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't want it what she wants. So, yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, don't you spoil haven't it. seen it, but oh, that's right. Yeah. I normally would spoil it, but I'm not going to. Um, yes. Number 18, <clears throat> right? 2019, 18. Yeah. Yes. I can't count. Sorry. Uh, Almost Famous. This is a movie I think I showed my wife, and I think she hated it. 
I was so bummed. It was like, I think it was probably when we first started dating. I was like, Jordan, you're going to love this film. Uh, it's so good. And then she was like, that was a dumb movie. Uh-oh. <laughs> Have you seen it at all? No. Mm-mm. Have you seen it? Oh, man. It's really, it's just, it's it's essentially a coming of age story about a young writer. You might dig it, Sam, actually. It's, it's kind of about this kid who's a really talented writer in high school. Just like me. Yeah. Yes, got and it. he yes got it <laughs> <laughs> hook line sinker yeah fishin. um but he he somehow gets uh, a job at Rolling Stone by like lying about his age essentially hmm. and gets to go on tour with this band and ends up befriending them even though he's a journalist and telling their story for the cover of Rolling Stone magazine oh wow but he's like 16 years old going on tour with it's the like band like catch me if you can a little bit yeah in a way what how because he lot everyone think because like he he's a doctor but he's only sixteen and then he's like an airline pilot but he's only sixteen like he, he's in, a con man in the narrow sense that he lies about his age <laughs> to do cool things totally it's like catch me if you can <laughs> I think that's enough to warrant saying it's like catch me if you can sure all right um but it's a great film I mean I I personally love it because of the fact that it's it's it just weaves in and out through through all these different narratives of people's lives um. And I think also it's just cool to see this kid grow up in a cool way mm. and also like deal with his mom who's like a helicopter mom and everything. And his sister is Zoe Deschanel, uh, not in real life, obviously. And she's like kind of the, the, she kind of becomes in a sense like the uh, encouraging figure in his life that's like, you should go do this thing. Our mom is crazy, mm. you know? And they all come around, it's good, but um, it's a great film. Uh, and I forget the kid's name who plays Kate Hudson's in it. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. Who is the? Oh, Patrick F- Fugit. I don't know how to say his last Jimmy name. Jimmy Fallon's in this movie. Weird. Is he really? Yeah, according to uh, Letterboxd. Oh snap! He totally is. That's right, because he plays he plays a road manager. I think that's really funny. Um, you guys want to move on? Next one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, finally, one that I've seen. Well, I, I did see Stranger Than Fiction, but sure. I, I first every now and then I'll find a movie that I just have not logged on Letterboxd yet. Mm-hmm. That just happened with Stranger Than Fiction. So gotcha. I don't have a star rating for it yet because I don't remember. Sure. Have you seen uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer? Haven't. It's another one that's been. On, you Dog. have a couple on here that have been on my watch list for years. And right. I haven't seen them yet. Five Hundred Days of Summer, especially with where you're at in life when you're 19, mm-hmm. is a great film. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, Introduced me to Regina Spector. Yes, who is incredible. Started out like as a feeling. <laughs> Isn't that Regina Spector? I don't know that song. Please, song. it's from song. Prince Caspian. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's okay, her. good. Yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, this film. It's, it's, I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's just one of the best heartbreak stories of all time. Yeah. Well, like, no, do you like Joseph Gordon Levitt? I do. Yeah. I, I haven't like seen him, him in tons yeah. since like he worked with Nolan, but yeah. Yeah. He, uh, but he just, he does a great job in this film of capturing like, it's clearly this guy is, I wouldn't say emotionally stunted, obviously, but he is very, he's, he, his emotions are not quite caught up with where he is mentally mm-hmm. or where he should be at his age. You know, I think he's like in his mid, late 20s, something like that, you know? But like, he's working. Uh, they, they tell you at the very beginning, like, "Oh, this is a breakup story. It's not a love story." You know. Um, I've seen the like expectation intro. reality stuff, and that's so good. Yeah. 
But I just, to me, when I first saw this film, I don't even know, I was probably like a lovesick teenager or something. And it just hit me in such a big way because I've been through scenarios like that where you're with somebody and you think this is the perfect relationship, even though you are both not right for each other in the end. Mm. And it's clear that one of you is, is not emotionally ready for something that serious. Uh, I love the telling of this movie of how he comes to find himself and everything through it. But also like the soundtrack is incredible. I won't, mm. I'll say that for another episode, but uh, really, really good film. I think, I think you'd really enjoy it, Sam. I need to check it out. I think it's also on prime video right now. So probably. Mm. probably. Yeah. Um, do you have any comments on this one at all, Michael? Um, yes, it is on Prime Video. I can confirm. Let's, go. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Who? Mark Webb, I believe. Yeah, Mark Webb. He directed The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, cool. Um, I don't remember any of these other like supporting actresses or actors, but yeah, the only like real standout performance to me were the main characters, right? Uh, and I think that's that's all that movie really needed to focus on was just Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And this movie helped me love Ikea. And to this day, I still adore going to Ikea. Really? I've only been once and I hated it because I got like 10 <laughs> minutes in. And I was like, okay, I get it. And then I was like, oh, there's no shortcut out. I have to walk for th- almost three hours. Until <laughs> they get again. you. Yeah, it's rough. And they make you buy the meatballs. So it was like, like halfway, Labyrinth. Th- halfway through, you're like, man, this is a long walk. And you're like... <sighs> I could I could use some food like guess what halfway through meatballs dog you're in there so long you have to have a meal because yeah. you, uh, otherwise you miss a meal 100% but I also love it for that reason though cuz I love going in there and stepping into what feels like another person's world mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah, I and like imagining yourself in it for a second and saying what is it about this this place that I like and in a lot of ways the I think you could probably tie in Ikea to being a metaphor for this film in some way, like stepping into different relationships as stepping into different rooms in a house. How does it feel to be in this room? How does it feel to be with this person? Is this the room I want to spend most of my time in? Or is it just a place I'm stopping by? Hmm. You know? hmm. I had deep, never thought Brandon. about it that way. I had neither until just now. This is the most methodical I've ever thought, just in general. <laughs> <laughs> Especially out loud. About movies. This is the most thoughts I've ever had, guys. <laughs> oh, ever, ever in your whole life. Just in general. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's really funny. <laughs> just skating by. Just like, skating by. Bruno just gets by on his good looks. <laughs> what good looks? <laughs> I know that peanut butter and jelly taste pretty good together. Like That's the basis of my Brennan, what was that? That's my impression of a guy that doesn't know anything. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I got it from Mike Birbiglia. It's not... Hello. It's not mine. Hey, Brennan. Uh, <laughs> Hi. Uh, I've now seen the next film. I'll say that. Oh, good. I finally have seen one of these movies. Up. How could you not love Up? What's Up? Nothing much. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> um, it does smell like Up Dog in here, but anyway, I really liked the dog in Up. Doug? Doug? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, what do you like about Up? Oh, man. I like just about everything about it. I I love movies that are so powerful that within the first 10 minutes, you just weep uncontrollably. Yeah. <laughs> There's few movies that have that kind of power where it's like we're setting up the entire movie in the first 10 minutes. And even if you walked out to the first 10 minutes, you would still get a lot of the emotional toll that the movie has. You basically just got a really sad short film. (laughs) Yes. But it's great. (laughs) Like I specifically remember seeing this in theaters and just sobbing in the beginning. Um, I think I was probably with my family or something. And I was just like, don't look at me, you know. (laughs) Back when I was I'm a younger, because <laughs> when did this come out? This came out in 2009. Um, 
Oh, wow. So I was 14. That's crazy. Wow. I was seven. I was... Oh, yeah. Sure enough. 20? That's weird to think I forget about. <laughs> that we're closer in age than me and Michael. Like, I don't know why I was thinking you and Michael were closer to the same age. I guess I thought... We were, hold on. Cause I, I was in Bible college. Wait, are you 25? I'm 27. It's 2009. Oh, am I? I'm 19. About to be 20. <laughs> you're seven years younger than him? That's right. So you're right. And then you're 33. I'm so six years older than you. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it's, that does make sense. Hold yeah. on. If I was 14, 2009, you wouldn't be 20. No way. Yes, you would. Oh, my God. This I suck at weird. math so bad. <laughs> God, anyway. 14 anyway. plus six is 20. <laughs> 14 plus six. Anyway. It's, a, uh, it's okay. Um, um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but this, this movie, though. And it's only 96 minutes. I didn't realize that. It's so short in reality. That's exactly... Oh, no. 500 Days of Summer is 95 minutes. You're just like hour and a half. I suppose so. Um, but this movie, man. It's, it's colorful. So good. It's fun. Yes, it is colorful. It's fun. It's got just enough humor in it to make you go like... Mm -hmm. To, to kind of outweigh the... Um, the really sad bits. Because the sad bits are so sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I loved Up... But I didn't love it quite as much as everybody else did. Sure. Um, is it because you're that, lonely? It, no, it's just because <laughs> I mean, he's still a crotchety old man. He shouldn't, I don't know. I, I empathized with him, but sure. like, he, should, he, should, he should still be a better person. Uh, to, in in know, real I, life, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just kind of annoyed by, by some of the characters. Well, so you know who, I, I only gave it three and a half stars. You know who should be more of a good person is friend of the show, or now I guess ex-friend of the show, Mark Goins, who gave this movie a star and a half. Whoa. That's rude. He's just, That's never rude. Mind. I wouldn't get on it. But Has yeah. that man never been loved in his life? I don't know. I don't mm. know. He, he likes disagreeing with people. He really? likes being edgy. Mm -hmm. Mark? Mark, if you're listening, why are you so edgy? Bit of a contrarian. Why are you so, so contrary? <laughs> <laughs> why do you have to be so contrary? Marky, Marky, why so contrary? <laughs> that was a stretch. No, well, it's right, uh, loosely based on that Mary married. Quite contrary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I caught that part. Yeah. What's <laughs> what's next up? Yeah, what's next? <laughs> Sorry, that really got me. Um, next up is Interstellar, which this is your top three, maybe? Is this one of your favorites no. of all time? Where is, where is Interstellar on your list, Sam? Top, uh, top 70, maybe? Oh, top 70. I thought you loved this movie more than that. Or was it, uh, oh, it's Inception, that's something. Yeah, of. I've got a few Nolan movies that's in my top 20, but not Interstellar. But where's this guy on your list? Do you have it on your list or no? Mary had it on, we've had it several people. I think Mary had it on her list, yeah. probably. Inception's on my list. Gotcha. Not Interstellar. Um, I think Inception's on this one, too, but I, I forget. No, no it's, it's not. not. Um, no, yes, it is. It's right there. Where? It's, um, I can't count. Inception, Don't ask me. Inception's a little bit it's higher. Oh, yeah, I see it. Okay. Uh, Interstellar, though, I mean, I don't know what it is about the human race and the fascination with what else is out there, you know, but this movie was just a trip from beginning to end. Yeah. And I loved every second of it. Like it, it was tense and stressful, but like not in the ways that we normally expect because we don't have these kind of problems in our lives. Yeah. It's hard to empathize with, with, you know, somebody whose, whose life is literally passing them by, uh, seven years every, like, what was it? Hour. Yeah. That's a crazy thought process. And the thought that the science behind it is true too. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the even crazier part to like, oh no, this could be a reality if ever we do get to this level of space travel. Yeah, like um, that's what wormholes look like. <laughs> right. 
the yeah, I remember a lot of people were really impressed by the understanding of like the theory of relativity. Yeah. And then there's also the neat technological advancements in modeling what a black hole looks like mm-hmm. and how it affects light and how they came up with uh, at the time like one of the most accurate depictions in film. Yeah. It's uh, and th- it's that whole thing is just so freaking nuts. That's still my my laptop screensaver is the wormhole the, is gargantuan yeah it's, oh it's my so gosh awesome. dude but that whole movie was just like it stressed me out in ways i couldn't imagine like especially when the scene where uh anne hathaway's, yes that part too but like anne hathaway's character how she reaches into the ship you know but from the future oh yeah yeah and i was like oh my god it's freaking aliens yeah <laughs> At the whole movie, that's where I was expecting it, it was going to go, is that we are going to experience aliens in this film or something. No. And it didn't happen. And it was just us. And they were like, it's us. Far in the future. Yeah, it's like in a better dimension, a higher dimension. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, think, if I sit here and think about that stuff too much, I, I get super uh, just like... Existential. Re- yeah. Uh, well, I, unless you've got a lot more thoughts, I have no, no, a neat it. little nerd way to just oh i love it let's hear you're familiar with e equals mc squared by albert einstein so uh, a way that i've come to understand it that is just explaining what that is in a sentence uh so space time Mm -hmm. tells matter how to move and matter interesting tells space time how to curve Mm. and that's all that equation is saying see i thought the c stood for cats yeah Yeah, i thought it was uh edward cats Michael squared. <laughs> I got the, I got, I did get the cats and the Michael backwards, but I think it's pretty energy accurate. equals uh, mass times cats. Yeah. Everything is the cats. Mo- cats 2019 cats. squared two, two is short for 2019 cats. The movie 2019. That's ridiculous. Um, That's so interesting though. Um, yeah. That movie was just insane, man. And, I thought Matthew McConaughey was so good in it, dude. He was. I know yeah. that he's kind of a trope right now with like meme culture and everything, but and what, has been for the last few years. Is he? Oh, the, just like the endless. Oh, the all right, all right, all right. Yeah, stuff. The, the endless memes of of him just being his like Texas self and everything. But oh yeah, the like guys. Like I, I, I know people who wanted to like run for governor in Texas. <laughs> but the guy is such a good actor, man. Yeah, yeah he's really good. And I think like I don't even think uh, I forget his backstory. His, I think his backstory was that. Uh, kind of similar to like Harrison Ford where he was just working a regular job mm. and then someone was like you ever thought about being an actor and he auditioned and they got hired and like that like sent him on the path you know um, really crazy stuff it's almost like if you're if you're attractive you can do anything you know <laughs> just <kidding>. weird <laughs> maybe that's why I've gotten so far in life <laughs> and maybe that's why I've stayed here the whole time <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke anyway what's next <laughs> How obvious we are. Um, <laughs> oh, this is number 14. Yes. Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, I haven't seen it. I forgot about this film until Mary's Top 20, I think. Yeah. Richard is a real Richard. Huh? R- Richard, the character, is a real Richard. Oh, yeah. No, he... That, that is to say he's a dick. I get it. I, I got it, too. I forgot that his name was Richard for a second, but yeah, you're right. Um, but man, isn't that also the point though of like a really good villain is, or not villain, but like a really deep character is that you can dislike them that much though too. Mm-hmm. Like he did a good job. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> Except at the end when he finally like kind of makes amends for himself. Oh yeah, he has, he has a little arc. 
Yeah, he's got a little good arc right there. Do you like this? I do. I've got so uh, careful with that one on the right. It's one hundred forty dollars, but the one on the left is like twenty. So you can play with that one. <laughs> you just put. You don't have to be fragile with it. I mean, I I literally use it for like like actual tricks and everything. So it's not like it's fragile or anything. But um, for audio listeners, we're talking about um, a little wooden bowl that <laughs> he has on his desk, and there's not at hieroglyphs all. written all over it. <laughs> and he's That's telling priceless. me to put it down. <laughs> no, I uh, I used to do you know tech decks and everything mm -hmm. there's professional tech decks called fingerboards which is what those are right there with um, a z yeah, of course no with the uh, the the s symbol we drew in in middle school with the three <laughs> the six lines yeah um now i got bullied as a kid for doing fingerboarding like all the time even though i was super into it and i love the artistry like that fingerboard right there the one that cost 140 dollars every single part of that thing is handmade if you examine it it looks to scale like an actual skateboard and it's incredible um, and I also like, I love doing like tricks and everything and actually getting good at it. But, um, I recently as an adult picked it back up last year cause I was like, I don't really care what my middle school bullies had to say about me fingerboarding anymore. So let me get back into this. And I just love it, man. Hmm. It's a fun hobby to have. Um, yeah, I remember those days in middle school. And like most folks are like, yeah, I got it. And they use like three fingers and everything. But like, I'm committed. Like, no, I use, I do actual skateboard tricks on those things. And I'm certainly not the best in the world, but I am not bad at it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I, have to, I have to say that so you know that it's a serious thing and not be like, oh, he plays with tech decks. So for, yeah, for people wondering what tech decks are, they're little skateboards that you yeah. use your fingers with. Yeah, exactly. Um, but tech decks are $3 made out of plastic, and that was handmade by a group of people mm. in a company. Right. Really interesting stuff. Anyway, we'll cut Jackson Film Club, the podcast. Little Miss Sunshine, though. So I think the reason I love this movie so much, I, I have this love of, again, like you, like we talked about earlier, like comedic actors playing really deep emotional roles. I mean, Steve Carell's character in this movie is, they kind of reveal it pretty early on, so I like, it's a spoiler at all. Oh, it's he, the opening. It's the opening that he tries, to, he's like, is coming out of a psych ward essentially from trying to commit suicide and everything. Mm. So the entire time, Steve Carell is playing a predominantly serious character. And he just blows it out of the water, man. Yeah, he's so good. Um, yeah, I, I love this film for its. I mean, it talks about a lot of different things. It, it talks about like body image and uh, what do you do when your dreams can't come true, and how do you get over that and, and work through the struggles. Uh, I think that's that's a pretty bad reading of the movie, but I don't know. Think? It's pretty American in that. Sure. Like, a lot of the the situations that they find themselves in, it's just like, okay, well, that would happen in America. Like oh, sure. the whole movie, <laughs> the plot is driven by a beauty pageant. That's true. Um, <laughs> Where else does that happen? This is America. It happens everywhere, but yeah, um, the the way that everything uh, played out was just so quintessentially. Um, That's a good American way to put, culture. I've never thought about that before, but you're totally right. It's it is such. It is a movie based on things that happen in American culture yeah. in a lot of ways, from the worst to the best. Yeah, so I, I would say like it's not necessarily like an easy movie to watch. It is entertaining, and it's got uh, some lighthearted moments. Yeah, uh, but it's pretty it's honest. Heavy. It's very heavy uh, yeah. cultural commentary, which that's the stuff that I think I'm into a lot of the times. Is I do love a good like you know slapstick. Let's laugh for an hour and a half. Yeah, but uh, movies like this, I'm like, this is a movie you want to watch when you're just hanging out at the house alone and you have a day off. At least I do. 
I, when I watch movies that look like serious that, like this alone. I watched it on a trip and that was a good experience. Really? Yeah. Well, I like watching movies on a, on a plane. Yeah. yeah oh, that's yeah. Good. It's a good way to pass the time. Just if those screens were not just like more than like three inches wide, then oh, I, I watch it I, on my laptop. I, 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 yeah, I download <laughs> it from Netflix. I've tried that and my tablet just cannot do it, unfortunately. That's but, too bad. Um, next up, this is number, uh, what is this, 14? 13. 13, sorry. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Um, this is Groundhog Day. I I don't know, man. I just grew up watching this movie. It came out in 93. Um, is it a comfort movie for you? Kind of. I think that's a good way to put it. I think this film, for some reason... I think I just grew up always seeing it on TV as a kid. And so now watching it, I'm like, oh, this is a really good film and for a lot of reasons, but it stands the test of time and everything, but it also just holds a really special place in my life uh, along with like movies like Tommy Boy, which I grew up watching at like my parents' lake, my family's lake house and everything, but like that's not like a movie worthy of a top 20, although it is a really funny movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I just... I just love this film for some reason. And, I think um, there's something about being able to see somebody have a certain goal or goals and then watching them repeat or fail over and over again trying to get that thing. Yeah. And then when they finally get it, it's just really satisfying. And especially when it's mm-hmm. in like a lighthearted tone, it's just, I think that's can qualify as a comfort movie when it's just like, I know I can put this on. You see somebody fail like, fall flat on their face a bunch of times and mm-hmm. then they, they get the girl in the end and it's like, yeah, you know, but like not a, until he was the right person. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think that's that underlying theme I think is really powerful though. Even in my life where, uh, just getting personal, like before I met my wife, Jordan, and even during we were, we were dating, like I was not the right person to be in a marriage. And it was only after being with her for some amount of time, that I started going, oh, these are the things, which I realized this before as well, before we started dating. Like, oh, if I want to be a good husband one day or like have this thing in my life that everyone says you need to have, I also need to make sure that I'm a healthy person. Hmm. And that doesn't happen until you do a lot of work on yourself. Yeah, Um, it takes a lot of self-awareness. It does. Uh, I realized it after or before we started dating and then during while we were dating, I had a lot of more realizations like that. And... It's crazy, man. We're, we're both just growing and changing all the time, which is really awesome. Um, and I'm a much better person because my wife has pushed me to be, which is awesome. She's That's an amazing good. person. She's an incredible person. She's the best person I know. She doesn't agree with that statement, I think. Every time I tell that, she's like, really? The best person you know? I'm like, yes, the best person. You're the best person I know. Um, but yeah, Groundhog Day, that's a classic film, I think. Next up is Inception. Dude, this movie, this movie screwed with my head even more than like Interstellar did in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And this movie was just intense from the very beginning. Um, Which, by the way, I saw another, uh, um, what's it called? Another clue recently as to the very end is, is he in a dream or is he not in the dream? I think he's not in the dream because supposedly in the, the, yeah. in the other dreams, he had the wedding ring off, right? Right. And then in the end scene, he has the wedding ring on. Yeah, the wedding ring's his totem. Right. And that's so interesting. It is. It's interesting. It, that was something that like years after I saw the movie, I saw somebody bring that up. And what I think is so cool about that is like there is nothing in the movie like there's no close-up shots of his wedding ring. Right. Like 
it's literally if you are watching to quote prestige are you watching closely if you're watching super closely mm-hmm. yeah it's never explicit no but like no one would do that on act it's too big of a coincidence that right on these scenes he's not wearing his wedding ring on these scenes he is so just like the fact that he the movie stands on its own obviously right without that because millions of people love it and don't know that but like for no one to put that in there for like I want someone on their 20th rewatch to notice, oh, the wedding ring was missing and that scene must be a continuity error. And then when they start paying attention to it, are like, wait, this feels like this is on purpose. And then it is literally the answer to the biggest question in the movie. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. that's just awesome. It's brilliant, me. dude. It's yeah. such a good film. That's why I re- it really gets under my skin when Cinebros <sighs> and like film snobs on Letterboxd watch Tenet and are just like, Oh, Nolan's dumb makes dumb movies. <laughs> this is a big dumb blockbuster. A big dumb blockbuster. Like, I don't. You can say you didn't like it. I'm 100 percent fine with that. But don't don't say it's dumb. Like yeah. he he's he puts decades of thought into these. He movies. made something. Yeah, he made something unbelievable. And because you didn't get it on your first watch, doesn't mean you can call it dumb. I couldn't agree more. Um. Yeah, so that film is just insane. And the soundtrack, dude. Yeah. It's so intense. And when you see it, I think I saw it in theaters when it came out, actually, because it came out t- 2010. Uh, golly, that is so intense, dude. Like, when those you know movie theater subs are just rumbling mm. with yeah. those themes, you're just fucking going to crap yourself. Mm-hmm. Crap yourself. Why did <laughs> I say camp. it like that? <laughs> <laughs> you go crap your heel. <laughs> You're gonna, you're gonna yeah, it shakes your, your bowels. It shakes them good. <laughs> Another natural accident. <laughs> Another inception. Um, but yeah, it it just is such an intense film. But I love all the layers behind it, though. And again, Joseph Gordon-Levitt like also killed it in this film, though, too. Um, as did yeah, like, he really did. Every other actor in this film is so good. Tom Hardy kills it in a role where he doesn't really. He doesn't normally play roles like that, like clean-cut guys. Sure. He's usually like the brute or the guy you can't understand at all. Right. And he just, he kills it. He also has the funniest moments in the movie to me. He tosses the grenade to the guy in the tank and then gives him a thumbs up right before it blows up. <laughs> <laughs> love it. It is cool, too, when you see a movie that's as intense as this one, and they still manage to slip in like every now and then a funny little tidbit like that, yeah. you know? Because it it does deal with some really heavy stuff, dude. Yes, lost his wife, can't get back to his kids. Like, yeah, it's heavy. Hundred percent. That man, the scene on the outside the on the windowsill mm. with Maul and that, like the flashback. You're waiting for a train. It gives me shivers every time. Like, yeah, it's, it's rough. Uh, next film is Truman Show, which Woo! obviously this is, we all love this film. Yeah. I mean, this is another classic for me. It's this this to me holds as much of a place in my heart in terms of growing up and watching movies on TV as like Groundhog Day yeah, or even like an extremely goofy movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> in the sense of like, I grew up watching it and I just love it because it's sentimental and it's, it's, it's sweet and funny and serious all at the same time. And again, it is a traditionally comedic actor playing an insanely intense role, yeah. a very serious one and still being able to throw his Jim Carrey lovability in it. You know, I um, mean, I, I think one of the things that I love about this movie, because I thought about it a lot, it's like Truman must have been so angry. Yeah. To discover that his entire life was a lie. Yeah. And then at the end, when uh, when he decides to leave and then 
chooses to end with his his saying. Yes. It was like the biggest that dude, the biggest gangster moment. Yeah. Like <laughs> that dude, the there was so much like there was so much that was just paid off in that moment. Right. Uh, is is literally the perfect way they could have ended that movie. And I'm sure the next closest example I can think of is when uh, everybody our age and our generation went to college, got out, and did not get a job like they were promised. <laughs> Just like, uh, if you go, you got to go to college to get a job, and you get out, and you're like, where are the jobs? They're like, I don't know. You better figure it out. <laughs> I think uh, it's... It's it's because the boomers won't retire. Oh, my God. I have a I have a list of movies on Letterboxd. I don't think any movie's perfect, but I have a list of movies that I think are as close to perfect as they get, and I just added Truman Show to that list. I think it's pretty it close. It's just, there's nothing wrong with it. I agree, man. I, I, I don't think there's a single thing wrong with that film. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and who's the Laura Linney who plays Meryl Burbank? Mm-hmm. The wife. The wife. Yes. Yeah, she does a really good job. She's so good, man. She's really good at sliding that product placement in there when they're like, "I know." You know, I really, I don't think I even noticed most of it. Yeah, I didn't even notice it most of the time. I feel like I just want to know. I wish I could have been there for when they were um, actually filming and everything to see which parts Jim Carrey improvised. Mm. Because there's got to be something in that he improvised. You know? Yeah. Who are you talking to? Come on. If that isn't Jim Carrey or like his crazy eyes when he's got like the the seven and one like spatula <laughs> looking thing, he's like holding it out. Don't come any closer. <laughs> I think uh, uh, one of the most hilarious shots to me is that picture when he's gardening because uh, he's got his like back arched and it's just the shot is just like straight on his oh, butt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his head pops up. It yeah. looks like uh, uh, one of those little like garden decorations that yeah. you see where, where people have got like somebody's butt out in the garden. That's so uh, funny. The there's, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but yeah. maybe just butts are funny. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Butts, pee, poop. Pee-pee, poo-poo <laughs> jokes. All, all <laughs> so funny. Uh, next up is Elizabethtown. Have you all seen this movie before? Negative. I've not heard of this. Is oh it, my gosh. Is Keira Knightley? Yes. No, no uh, not Keira Knightley, but uh, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, Kirsten Dunst in Orlando. Uh, there are it, the reason why it's it's not like the top of the list or closer to the top is because there are a couple moments where I was like that's a little little corny, but they're few and far between I think in the film for the most part I love this film for so many reasons, it's cute it's funny it's kitschy it's it's got a fun, again a phenomenal soundtrack you know I'm a, I'm a music dude so like I just love when they're able to tell a good story, and then even capture you even further with the music really encapsulating the the emotion behind every single moment that's happening. Mm. Yeah. You know, and this movie does that for me in a lot of ways. Um, there's a song in it called My Father's Gun by Elton John that that is just like so good. And it's uh, it's a great film. I don't know. There's not much to say about because you guys haven't seen it. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, it's a, the very beginning is it's again, this guy who is promised great success with his new shoe design for a company and it flops so bad that he's like contemplating suicide but then even when he's trying to commit suicide the knife that he's trying to use to kill himself 
it falls. He's got like a contra. He makes a contraption or thing. The knife like falls out and he can't even kill himself. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the joke is like, he can't make shoes. Right. He can't kill himself. Right. He can't do anything. Right. Um, and then he gets a phone call that his father's his dad, passed. He has dad passed away and everything. He has to go take care of the ashes and like go visit all these family members that he's like never met before in his life or hasn't seen since he was like eight years old or something. Um, and kind of gets to go through and, it's a movie that essentially is about embracing your failures and learning whatever you can from them to make your life better. Mm. And I, I love it for a lot of reasons. You know? And it's also romantic too, which I like because I'm a, you know. You're romantic. I'm romantic, I suppose. Um, I next, do love Kirsten Dunst. So. She's great, man. She really is. Uh, I also remember seeing her growing up. Oh, yeah, that's right. Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man. Also mm-hmm. Jumanji. Also Little Women. She was a Little Woman. That's right. That's a good movie too. Where, I'm trying to remember where she was in Jumanji. I haven't seen Jumanji she in was a so girl. long. Dude, I haven't watched the movie in so I've long. I've seen it. I literally can't. I knew have, she was in it, but I haven't seen it. I actually wow. can't imagine that in my head right now. I've, that's how long it's been since I've watched that movie. Man. Um, next up, though, is the movie Belfast. This is a new one. It came out earlier this year, right? No, it, it came out last year. Last year. Last year, yeah. Was it really last year that we saw this movie together? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a contender in the Academy Awards. Oh, you're right. When did we go see this together? Because we saw it twice together. Uh, I think I saw it Thanksgiving Day and then came over and told you about it. And then we went and saw it again with Sam. Yes. Which was Sam's first time and then your second time. Because you yes. ended up going to see it with your wife the first time. That's right. That's what it was. Dude, I just loved everything about this film. This was the first movie. A uh, little bit of backstory about me real quick is that last year I got into film photography, as you guys both know. Um, I do music full time in Jackson. So like making art all the time can be really draining as much as I love and I wouldn't change my job for anything. There are also points where I'm like, man, I feel like doing anything creative, but music right now. Okay, we're good. Um, so I got into film photography because my wife just happened to have like a film camera already that she used in college and everything. I just love it. But this movie was the first film I ever watched where I was captivated by the recording of it Mm. with the cameras they use, the quality of the production, the black and white is just incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, it's like the first time that you were, you were appreciative of those kinds of things. And it wasn't until I would, I would have never appreciated it until I started doing photography for myself and trying to capture a moment myself, but they're doing it with, you know, uh, like a movie instead, but just the film itself. I mean, I know that Sam, you weren't a huge fan of it, but mm-hmm. uh, l- let's discourse for a second. What did you not like about it? Uh, to me, um, it felt unfocused in terms of um, who I was following. And there were times where I felt like, okay, I'm seeing this pr- from the perspective of the little boy. And then there were times where I was like, okay, no, I'm seeing it from the perspective of the parents. Um, and the times when I found the movie most interesting was when it did focus on the parents and their struggle of what do mm-hmm. we do and things like that. Um, but that was such a small part of the movie um, that I just wasn't as interested in the rest of it. I also love the way it was shot. There was some of the composition is incredible. Um, the problem I had with it is um, at least from the viewing, the one viewing I had um, for me, it didn't service the story at all. I'm all for unconventional composition. I think that's can be some of the coolest ways to convey what you're trying to say just purely with visuals is odd composition, whether that's like giving someone a ton of headroom or like sure 
having a ton of lead room behind their head instead of in front of them. Um, these are words I don't understand, by the way. Just yeah, I don't know if you guys know I'm a film major, <laughs> so some of these words might fly over your head. I don't know if you know, know that, that I make movies, by Yeah, the way. I'm kind of like a massive deal. but uh, <laughs> You're a student filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, come at on. A, at a small uh, uh, university in Jackson, Mississippi. Whoa, medium size to <laughs> relatively small. Um, yeah, it's really small. <laughs> but I love that stuff. But um, there were several times when it was... Uh, when, when a shot would come on that had that weird composition, I was just like, I just don't know if this is, it, it felt to me in the moment, like they're doing this because it's cool composition. Mm-hmm. And for me, it didn't and fit see, that's, the story. That's funny because that's one of the reasons why I loved it so much is because uh, I think I tend to have a hard time watching movies knowing what to focus on sometimes because if everything's in focus, my vision goes to whatever is the most colorful, I think. Yeah. Mm. So there's a specific scene where I noticed that they did this, or it looks like they focused it live as they recorded it, which is so cool to me. Um, and is a skill in and of itself. I don't imagine they're doing it by manual. It's, they used an RE camera, but I forget which one. Uh, I think it's called RE. Yeah, yeah, probably right. like an LF or Mini or it something. Was a, it was the Mini. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, but it looks so good. But mm-hmm. uh, there was a scene where after they steal the chocolate from the candy shop, that they're in this like little tunnel area and everything. And when the girl's talking, it's focused on her. And as soon as it swaps to the, the little boy, mm-hmm. it moves over. And the, it, the, the scene doesn't change, but the focus changed. The rack's focus, yeah. Yeah, and I just was like, Oh my gosh, it's so cool. But on top of that, like the film just being so good in general with the story, like I thought the story of of this family's plight and dealing with all this crazy stuff happening literally on their street in their hometown. Yeah. Uh, I, I obviously haven't been through that, so I can't say it hits home for me, but I do sympathize with it. Didn't you say, yeah. like the, the first time you watched, didn't you cry? Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. I cried both times. I was alone in the theater <laughs> because I went to go see a movie on Thanksgiving Day. Who does that? Uh, nobody because I was alone in the theater uh, and yeah just bawled my eyes out just especially, sobbed yeah. man that's right uh, you came over after you mm-hmm. watched it and we hung on my back porch and talked about it yeah so I think for for me like I, I agree that like the movie changed perspective a lot but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it was unfocused it felt very personal yes uh, to me at least I, I think because I I sort of had that idea going into it it was like this is going to be something that's personal to Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just try and see it from his eyes. Uh, so even though the movie itself, the character perspectives shift, it's like it's all from this one guy who's seeing this whole thing as a vision. And when I, when I watched it that way, I enjoyed it the best. Who did you think it was? It was whose perspective do you think it was predominantly focused on? The father's? I think it was predominantly focused on the young boy. That's what I thought too. Okay. Um, and I think it, it, I think that's like Kenneth Branagh telling a story similar to something that he went through. Mm. Yeah. Whoever played the mother, I should look up the name, but she uh, was so she good. was the best part of the I movie. I literally for me. thought she was, she was so Jennifer good. Lawrence at first too. Because mm. they I, they do look very similar. I don't remember if she was nominated or not, but I thought she should have been. I thought she was. Catriona uh, uh, Balf. I don't know. But there's that little accent over her eye and her name, so it leads me to think that she's maybe... Uh, oh, she's Irish. That's what it is. That makes sense. So that's probably her actual accent. Man, but 
Yeah, I mean, every person in that film and the grandfather was was such a good actor too. Like everybody, there was not a single bad actor in this film. I thought nothing will make you feel like a more of a terrible, cold human being than the lights come up in a theater after you just watched a movie with two dudes and they're both crying and you feel absolutely nothing. And it's it's <laughs> Michael and the cleaning guy. And he's like, "Hey, man, are you okay?" <laughs> Hey, dude. Um, I'm sorry. You gotta leave. <laughs> Didn't they? Don't they play baseball with a grenade at one point in the movie? Like during a very tense action scene. Not necessarily baseball. It's like cricket. Like they, someone throws a grenade and the other guy like hits it or something. I don't think so. It was a. I just remember it was a very cartoony moment. Oh, you're talking about the very the, the final like fight scene. Yeah. Well, there was the the scene where they have like the almost shootout. Yeah. Yeah. Does uh, a rock, doesn't he? He does. He throws a rock or a brick or something. I don't think it was a brick. I think it was a rock to knock the gun out of his hand. Yes, which that's is what happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. I, I get that. I get that. I will say. But there's that that shot just like right before that, the of that, where movie. they're like coming to face each other in down the street, and it's like the this top down reminiscent of oh, we are, the we are. John Wayne oh, westerns oh, and stuff yeah. like that, which I the boy was enjoying on TV. Earlier. I understood that it was like you're seeing this from a kid's perspective, so obviously yeah. these crazy things seem like. This larger than life, like yeah, almost, like so. It's probably an exaggerated. That probably isn't what actually happened, but it just felt weird in the middle of this movie. And like, oh, he threw a rock and knocked the gun. I agree guys with head. that, and I I didn't get that scene until Michael and I talked about because I'm not nearly as methodical about this stuff as y'all are, obviously. But when Michael was like, oh, it's from the boy's perspective, and he grew up watching John John Wayne movies on TV, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Anyway, I we can move on because I, I do love that <laughs> film. I could talk about it for so long now. Um, Charlie Countryman. This is the film I brought up earlier. It's got Shia LaBeouf in it, and he just destroys this movie. It's so good, and it's so intense. Uh, a friend of mine years ago recommended it to me, and I watched it. And it's such an intense film that I've I've actually only seen it one time, but I remember so much of this film, this movie. Wow, Shia LaBeouf, um, Evan Rachel Wood, Mad Mickelson. Yeah, it's it's intense, dude. In uh, the first scene, in the very beginning, he's in the hospital and his mom has just passed away, and she comes back to him in like a vision, and he's just like sobbing on the hospital floor, and I just like. Oh my gosh! It it it's reminiscent of Up in the sense that the first ten minutes they grab your attention and they say this is going to be really hard to watch, at least this part is. You know, uh, I just I thought it was so gripping and so good. Um, really intense film though, so make sure you're in a good place before you watch it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's not one that that I've seen, and it looks like only one person on my letterbox has seen it at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should mention by the way, these are not in the top 20 order they're all ranked from like what i thought was the number one well maybe oh, they like are you're actually. trying to be objective no i take it back these are ranked from my my least favorite to favorite okay. yeah so that's that's true but the the top like eight they might as or the top seven even they might as well all be like my favorites though because right. they're so good um so y'all should see that one I, i'm not gonna shit you but i really i would love for you guys to see it so we can talk about it but um next about time i mean come on now that's like sam and i now. watched this four days apart for the first time last year last year wow and we both like cried dude i we could and sam does whole, not cry during movies another <laughs> movie that i think is very close to perfect yes truman show and about time are definitely up there um yeah what else can you say about it but it's just <laughs> so good i don't think there's a single moment in that film where i'm not like 
really captivated by what's happening. And it's it's also comedic too. Yeah. Like it's I, not a heavy watch. No, like, it's not. Even the heavy moments, it's not you don't feel like terrible. Yeah, it's a it's very just like light you film. feel like you're watching a life. Yeah. Dude, it's so it's like it feels so like good. I mean, it feels like going to a New Year's party. It feels like going to yeah. a wedding. Yeah. It feels like going to a funeral. Um and seeing all these people and you love them and right. I want to bring up something. It just makes me super grateful for life. Yes. You said something when we were talking about Groundhog Day because like sort of is a similar thing where guys repeatedly kind of trying the same things. That's a good Um, analogy. I like that. And you brought up um, how uh, Bill Murray didn't get the girl or like didn't accomplish what he was trying to do until he became the right person. Yes. And I've seen some criticism leveled against About Time where someone's like, screw this movie. He just used this this power that he had to manipulate this girl into liking him. Like he just basically lied enough times. But I think what they do is really genius to where at the beginning they literally meet at a blind date and you see everything go really well. Yes. That's a good point. And then, so they've already formed that connection. Like they already, that that whole scene uh, to kind of set that up a little bit because that whole scene like it really weirded me out for because that's a long scene. Mm-hmm. It and is it's just pitch black, and it, it's just pitch black, and all you're doing is just listening to these people talk. And so for me, it's I am a visual person, and so I, I tend to be able to pay better focus whenever I have something to look at, uh, and then compare that to to uh, I, then I rely on on what I'm hearing. So mm-hmm. for me, that that was it made me really uncomfortable because I had to like lean in uh, to actually pay attention. And I was trying, because it took me a while to even just figure out like, okay, so who is it that's talking right now? I wasn't paying mm-hmm. attention to their voices before. So now we know how to make Michael uncomfortable. We just blindfold him. Yeah, just blindfold <laughs> him and make lots of noises. We blindfold <laughs> him and then have serious conversations. But I think that was a great way, like establishing the relationship yeah, yeah. without him using the time travel at all. Like mm-hmm. you see the the date go really well. There's clearly like, we're going to meet up at like, there's going to be more continued after this and then it doesn't really work out. So then he starts using his power to like, it's weird calling it a power, but I don't know what else to call it. His ability to, uh, but he didn't, he doesn't manipulate her in any way. No, I don't think think it's great. That's a great point you made. I I really agree with that. Um, yeah, we could talk about that. We could talk about them at film all night. Um, the next one on my list is submarine. Which is a small-ish indie film, uh, hour and a half long, again, 97 minutes. Um, I don't know what it was, man. When I first saw this film, it's such a slow build, the entire movie. It's Have you, have you guys seen it at all? No. Mm-hmm. Was, it, was it on someone else's top 20? Submarine? Yeah. I don't think so. I've not heard it on anybody else's. Hey, Sam, we, we just moved that mouse. Yeah. So it doesn't, it's still recording. Yeah, we're good. Um, there we go. Um, yeah, submarine. I I don't think it's been on anyone else's top twenty, from what I can recall. Um, it's a pretty. It's not. I won't say it's unknown, obviously, because otherwise it wouldn't but even be on Letterboxd. But according to mainstream, yeah, it's it's such a good film, though. It's again, it's a kind of a coming of age story of this kid learning to accept himself and understand who he is as a person, um, and also going through like his first fifteen year old heartbreak too. Uh, but just, <laughs> just think about some of the scenes. It's it's funny in such a wonderfully subtle way. 
where it's almost like as you're watching, you're relating to this kid mm. and the different things that he's doing. And as he's discovering like what it means to uh, be sexually active for the first time, what it means to like have a crush on a girl, what it means to deal with bullies, what it means to be a bully, what it means to, you know, uh, all those different themes, all those things we went, we went through when we were like 14, 15 years old yeah. and encapsulated in a kid who is so clearly anxious about his life because he's there's a lot of scenes in the film where he's just kind of um, talking to himself and you're just hearing his internal thoughts essentially. Mm. Um, and you're hearing how anxious he is about this stuff and how much he's overthinking things. And you're like, this kid is so irrational. But then you think back to when you were 15 and you're like, oh, I was the exact same way. Yeah. You know, um, it's a great film. And uh, when you're that young, you're feeling a lot of things. Right. But again, with this one too, a lot of these are also soundtrack films, which is good. But the soundtrack in this movie is so good. It was done by the lead singer of the Arctic Monkeys. I forget his name. Oh, uh, um, you know it. Come on. Marn Condra, friend of the show, is a massive Arctic Monkeys fan. Alex. Alex, yes. Alex, um, shoot. I would keep wanting to say Alex Jones, but it's not Alex Jones. No. What is it? <laughs> uh, Alex Turner. Yes, that's it. So the soundtrack, you can look up the entire soundtrack is all like original songs that he's done. Hmm. Um, and the entire soundtrack is like 25 minutes, 30 minutes long, something like that. And I used to go to bed to it every single night. That's how good every it is. Every night? Every night. I do that sometimes. I just like, I used to as a kid at least, I would obsess over a movie or obsess over a soundtrack or a song or an album or something and just go to sleep to it every night. Hmm. Um, and wake up in the middle of, of this album being like, well, I don't know what song I'm on right now, but I dig it, you know? <laughs> and this album is just so good anyway i would get to that forever but it's that's a great film it's a slow build but i really enjoy it um and next up is a classic nora efron film sleep, sleep is in seattle um we didn't say it yet but my wife was supposed to be on this episode with us but uh we're moving to nashville which we haven't said yet on episode mm, um, hold back your tears um and so she was supposed to be on this episode and she and I both ended up like kind of getting sick, her especially the week we we're supposed to track it and everything. And then she moved like two days later up to now. She's up already up there. I'm, I'm moving up later this month because I had to finish up some work stuff here. But um, so this is, uh, she, <laughs> she might tell the story differently. When we first started dating or becoming friends, she snuck into my heart via this film, <laughs> uh, via Nora Ephron movie specifically. We were just, she got my number from a mutual friend of ours. We met at, on my birthday when I played a show. It was like just a few, couple months after my first album released and everything. And I was like doing shows to promote it and everything. I did a show on the front porch of Sneaky Beans in Jackson. Um, rest in peace, Sneaky Beans. Um, long live the bean. Yeah, long live the bean. Uh, now known as the bean, but also a great place though too. I love the bean so much. Uh, so we met on that, we met that night and I like, Instantly was like friend zone. <laughs> <laughs> I friend zoned my wife three times. And I've, again, it's, it's like the, a lot of some of these movies, like I was clearly not the right person at that point in time. And it was only after some time passed and I hung out with her that I was like, oh, I want to spend the rest of my life with this woman Aww. every single day. Um, so I'm missing her greatly right now. But so she got my number from a mutual friend and then was, she was like, Hey, this is Jordan. My way met the night and everything. What are you doing? You know, we, I forgot all the conversation started. She, I think she still has the text messages actually, which is really funny. Um, she's also romantic. And I mentioned, you know, just watching the sleeps in Seattle. And she knew she asked if my, our mutual friend, what is he like? And she was like, Oh, he loves like Nora Ephron films and stuff. 
don't even know who Nora Ephron was. I just liked these certain films of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. <laughs> um, and she snuck her way into my heart by talking about them and was like, oh, I love Nora Ephron films. And it was just a waterfall from there. <laughs> so then we became friends like six months over the course of six months and everything. And then like went on a trip to Europe together to help out some churches overseas and then got back, went on our first date and have just never stopped hanging out. That was like four or five years ago. I forget. Uh, yeah. So yes, to say that Sleepless in Seattle has a special place in my heart, not only just because of my wife, but because I grew, it's another film that I grew up watching in a lot of ways. I just always loved it. I love Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan specifically together. They are such a good duo. Have you guys seen this one at all? I haven't. Really? Neither of you have? No. It's just a classic 90s film. It's not anything... I don't think it's really anything that special, but I just love it for some reason. This this one and also You've Got Mail, which is another duo film of theirs, but... Uh, Why did I think Sleepless in Seattle was Sandra Bullock? What? That's While You Were Sleeping. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this this movie also has a great soundtrack, too. But it's just a good film, man. I just like it a lot. Um, okay, next up, Reservoir Dogs. I I've mean, seen this. Tarantino. I did not take you to be a Tarantino fan. I love Tarantino films. Um, again, they're also really intense, so I can't always. If you need to move your mic, by you can just tap it, and now you've got a marker that I can go back nice. and find, and just you can adjust it. it. Yeah, and then just tap it again when you're done. Wait, that was terrible. I'm not saying that works in every situation, but right, hit it one more time. That works. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Tarantino films are obviously like they're really intense, but I love Reservoir Dogs because of the sheer creativity of he's like, we have one space we're going to work in. That's how low budget this film is. It was pretty low budget, wasn't it? You know, I think it was super low budget. It was super yeah. low budget. I think it might have been like a million or something. Yeah. Right. It was, like it was, I think pretty, Harvey Keitel got him uh, like the Harvey Keitel is basically the reason that movie got made from what I know. Cause right. it was like, he's the biggest name in it. And so then people mm-hmm. are like, okay, we'll give you a little bit of money for it. But that film, dude, it's just Tarantino stuff. I really love cause it's, it's comedic and intense and grotesque and crass mm. all in the same space. But that movie specifically being, what was it? It was his first film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, how, it, it could almost just be a play. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's just one stage. I think he's talked about, I know he's talked about doing Hateful Eight as a play. That'd be cool. That would be cool. But I think he might have talked about Reservoir Dogs as a play also because it, it literally is just one place. You have nothing to rely on except for the story. Yeah. You know. The dialogue and stuff like the that. The dialogue, everything, and just the way it weaves in and out and everything. I just I just really love that film. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, but the couple of times I've, I've seen it, I've, I've always been like, how does anybody that creative like just do this and just yeah. decide, yeah, we have one space we're going to work in and just make it happen. And it's so captivating. Yeah. You know? It's one of my favorite Tarantinos. It's, I think he talked about, he was like, I realized I couldn't, sh- I, there's a bank robbery in it, but you can't show the bank robbery. So it's just like, yeah, it's purely right. the limitations are what spawns creativity in a lot of the- that's that's such a good thing you, you, you just uh, talked about because I specifically love limitations in art mm-hmm. like this recording studio that we're in right now is the master bedroom of a house and this master bedroom is like 12 by 20 feet it is a small room it is not really a recording studio it is big enough to have like a control room and that's it but the fact that this is a limitation, I have a small room, how can I make this space sound good? That's what interests me, that kind of stuff. So seeing that in film too is just really cool. Yeah. Um, well, then there's also like, you. 
there are these established rules that you're working with. Yeah. And it's fun to break them sometimes. Yes, it is. Um, and that even ties into like why I love film photography so much. Because if I had a digital camera, I would 100% obsess over photos. I would take the same photo 25 times and still not be right. happy with it. Whereas film, it's like, ah, more precious. we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know? And then some of my favorite photos are ones that I didn't even plan on taking that just happened, you know? Um, any more comments on this one? You haven't seen it, Michael? I have. Oh. Did you like it? Um, I'm not a big Tarantino fan. Really? I've also realized you're not a... On a separate note, I was looking and I realized you're not a Fincher fan. Like every single Fincher movie you've seen, you've given a relatively bad grade. I was disappointed by that. But remind me, thing. Uh, Social Network, uh, Seven, oh, Fight Club. I guess it's I really not seen Seven. Have I? I don't know. But of the Fincher movies on Letterbox that you've seen, I've noticed that you have relatively low star well, ratings. Fight Club because of toxic masculinity. Um, oh, sure. What was the other one? Social Network, you gave like two and a half stars. That's Network, one of the best movies Mark ever made. Zuckerberg. That's okay, but that's one of the best movies <laughs> ever made. It is a good film, man. That's a really good one. Um, Shawshank Redemption. This is Woo! number three. Incredible movie. That's a great one. Dude, how... Golly, dude. I mean, it's just so good. And as if as if you didn't already love Morgan Freeman. Like, yeah. Yeah. come on. He's so good. And Tim Robbins... Uh, playing Andy Dufresne. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm, I'm definitely just looking at my phone, looking at the letterbox to, to see like who plays what character. But that film, dude, mm. it's just so good. And it's also, I, I kind of like it too because it, it's it's a larger space, but it kind of has that same thing of like, we have a limitation. We are in one jail. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like whenever they discover, whenever he starts working in the library, for example, I'm like, oh, this place is a library? Yeah. Like you don't, it's not revealed to you until that moment. So up until that spot, you don't even believe that there's anything outside of like those particular cell walls that they're in, you know, it's that same premise of we have a limitation. Let's see what we can do with it. Um, Yeah. There's not much more I can say with that film unless y'all got something because that's just, it's just so good. Solid. Classic. I need to rewatch it again. And it was, it's a 90s film, isn't it? 94. Yeah. yeah. 94 and 94 was pretty stacked. I think 94 was, was Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, Oh, wow. Uh, Forrest Gump and Forrest Gump won Best Picture, I think. Really? Uh-huh. That's a year, man. Good yeah. Lord. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, number two. I adore this film. Have you all seen it? I haven't. Get no it's spoilers, been a long please. time. You haven't seen it? Really? I haven't. Yeah, it's been a long time. Oh, you said that earlier. List, That's yeah. right. Man, again, another example of someone who's a comedic actor playing a really serious role. Like, of course, I mean, Robin Williams was like trained in Shakespeare and acting and everything too. So he knew how to do serious stuff, but you didn't really see that much of him. Um, but this movie, dude, I mean, I think Miss Doubtfire is still his best work, you know? <laughs> yeah. That honestly is like, I think one of the first Robin Williams movies I saw. I saw that. Doubtfire? And, yeah, I think um, RV was the first Robin I had, Williams movie I haven't I saw. seen RV. That, we, that was like on a constant loop in our house, which is funny because probably probably th- not that good. I think I saw Mrs. Doubtfire first, but... I Missed came to love <laughs> Robin Williams because of Aladdin. Oh, oh shoot. Yeah. yeah, Aladdin was oh, the first. Oh, yeah, I, like, I liked Mrs. Doubtfire. I think have um, uh, if you talk about that movie these days, it's like, wow, that is an insane plot. How did they make that movie? Right. Um, but then again, that's what movies are for. So, um, But yeah, Aladdin, he's like scene stealer. It's so good. And in this movie, it's but the same, man. I mean... In Good Will Hunting... Uh, so I haven't seen this since like high school. 
Mm-hmm. Is it at all similar to like Dead Poet Society as far as um, how serious Robin Williams is? Yes. I'd say even more so because he doesn't smile as much in this film as he does in Dead Poet Society. I feel like he's kind of like... He's very friendly. In he's very Dead friendly and hopeful in Dead Poet Society, whereas in Good Will Hunting, he's, he's pretty stark. Isn't he like a... Uh, a counselor? Or He's a, a counselor, yeah. But it's such a good I might film, watch man. it tonight, honestly. You should, man. Have um, you seen a one-hour photo? I have not. You need to watch one-hour photo and insomnia. Those are two serious... I don't need to do anything but pay you, taxes you, and die, you, Sam. You've got to. <laughs> and do um, laundry, which I'm currently putting off. <laughs> but one-hour photo is a very unsettling Robert Will- Robert. Williams. Oh, wait. A, I Robert know what, fil- what, fil- uh, what movie you're talking about. I yeah. was at photo film. What film you're talking about? Yeah, because he it's where he's got the, f- the pictures of the family and everything. He's a film, a film developer or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a, he works at basically like a Kroger or Walmart and... It's at the early 2000s, so people Dude. are still bringing it, and he just kind of starts getting That's obsessed so with the family. Um, but yeah, that Michael, that was one of the one of the framed framed recently that you missed, and I got it. Yeah, yeah, I had never seen that one, so I did not guess that movie. Yeah, um, but this this film, my last thoughts on it at least are are that it's another movie. It, it, even thinking about it right now, where I'm at in my life, where. I'm like I told I talked about this with, at dinner with Michael about how I'm learning to have more realization that I'm supposed to have self-esteem and self-worth besides what I can offer people uh, musically or skill-wise or, or career-wise or anything like that. Like, oh, people like me; they do actually want me around. It's not just because I can help them out with something. Yeah. You know, um, this movie has a, a lot of that in it too, where the main character is discovering his self-worth the entire film. Mm. Um, and really getting past some trauma in his life that's really serious. Uh, and it's just so good, man. And about how he wants to, sh- like, you you totally understand why he wants to shut everyone out because he's had this trauma in his life and he doesn't think he's worth anything, you know. But he's also, like, the smartest guy you'll ever meet is mm-hmm. the premise of it, too. Um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yeah. They some, wrote it also. Yes, they did. Extremely young they, when they wrote it. They spent, a, I think to my knowledge, they spent a lot of time pitching it and then f- like, I don't know how they got it, but they somehow got someone to make it. Um, last film. Number one for me. This film to me has continually come back in my life as a movie that I go back to when I want to understand what it means to be imperfect and still be lovable. Mm. And it's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh Again, another film with just a phenomenal soundtrack. Um, the guy who does the soundtrack, I forget his name. I'll look it up later. But it's got Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, um, Kirsten Dunst again, Mark Ruffalo, who's amazing. Surprise Elijah Wood. Surprise Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood, who plays a creepy character. Um, but it's such a good film. Have you seen it at all? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's right. It was on your top 20, wasn't it? No, it was on somebody else's though. And oh, okay. I, I talked about. I need to watch it again because I I remember I saw it once and then it blew, kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I need to watch it. It did. So if this film blew your mind, Charlie Countryman will blow your mind also. I'll put it really? that way. Are they comparable, like story wise? Um, not story wise, no. But just in the sense that they're both very emotionally intense. Gotcha. Um, and Charlie Countryman, there's a little more like danger involved in everything. Not so yeah. much with this movie, but um, except for emotional danger, but. Yeah, this movie is quite psychological. It is. And the director was so good, man. I, he's French. I forget his name, Michael though. Michael Con- Gondry? Gondry, yeah. yeah. Like, there's... Is it Michael? Supposedly, yeah. there's scenes where... Mich- Michel. 
Michal. Hi guys. Um, there's <laughs> <laughs> Michael uh, face palming. <laughs> um, but there's that one scene where he's in his head, he's in his memories, and he's running through a hallway, and he's got all these faceless people around him and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a single light yeah. on him. Dude, what a creative way to light a scene where it's like, let's just strip everything back and just have this one thing. Yeah. And supposedly there was a lot of trickery, in-person trickery. Like they didn't have that many digital effects apparently. Yeah, they were like legit changing costumes and stuff. And yes. Like behind the camera. Like, yeah, they did a lot of that for real. Lickety split, I'm yeah. sure. So normally whenever I hear a director or somebody talking about something like that, they'll say that all of these effects are in camera. Mm-hmm. Is that what that means? Yeah, practical gotcha. in camera. It's so interesting, man. But like, I love the end of it when they're like discovering all these audio recordings of them talking how much they hate each other and everything. (laughs) But they still are like, but I still want to be with you. And I love that two completely imperfect people are still willing to try and find a balance for each other Mm -hmm. and just agreed that they're not always going to love each other. Like that's, that's also a theme with marriage that, I mean, I know neither of you guys are married, but that's a theme with marriage you talk about in counseling or that I have. My wife and I are huge proponents for counseling. We've, we went to pre premarital counseling, premarital counseling, postmarital counseling, regular marriage counseling. We're both in therapy like all the time. Like we're constantly trying to better ourselves and, and work on our marriage for the sake of each other and ourselves, you know? And one of the things that our counselors talked about is you are not always going to be at 100% loving your spouse every single day. The expectation that you're going to feel as in love as you do the first day you met your spouse to the end of your life is totally unrealistic. And some days you're like, man, I think I love you like 15% today because I'm in a bad mood or I don't like how you've been acting towards me recently, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then then there are days where it's like, dude, I'm at like 95%. Like, I don't think I could love you any more than I love you right now. And this movie, I, I feel like, yes, these people specifically are a little bit more toxic than your average person mm-hmm. because they do have a lot of traits and a lot of, clearly a lot of stuff that they have to work through to get past what their, where their relationship's at right now. But the underlying theme is there that we all have that kind of yeah. um A lot stuff of people's stories us. feel like that. Yes, that's, it's, that's a good way to put it. This is almost like, it's not realistic as to how people actually are, but how we feel that we are. Yeah, we can relate sense. to it. Yes. It's like the the past, the bell curve. It's the extreme, you know, mm-hmm. um, which we talked about earlier, the bell curve thing. But uh, I don't know, man. I just love this film. Um, it's such a good movie. And it's, when, I, when I'm when i feeling, when before I met Jordan and everything, and I was on the nights I was feeling like really lonely, I would just watch this movie sometimes. And I'd buy a big old bag of Starburst and just eat them by myself. Nice. <laughs> Not healthy. Don't do it. Uh, Starburst are pretty good, though. They are Red so and good, yellow. man. Red and yellow. You get out of here. I like pink them all, all man. day. I think pink's the best, too. I think but I like all terrible, of them. but... I like all of them, man. Oh I'm not God. picky. Same um, with the podcast. So, yeah, that there is my top 20. Uh, it's it's funny, man. I Picking just 20 movies is, is actually a lot harder than I thought it, it was going to be. It is hard. Yeah, so it's a uh, strange thing. Uh, yeah, I, I've gotten some f- interesting feedback on that. Like well, a number of people have asked me why I picked twenty sure. as the the number that that I, I like. It's, it's going to take an hour and a half to talk about it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just felt like I don't know. Ten is is difficult. Five is even more difficult. Right. I think five so is ridiculous. Twenty gives you enough breathing room, but mm-hmm. it's also just short enough that yeah, you can talk you know, about. Let's it do for thirteen like next time. How about that? Thirteen, thirty-seven. Oh, prime numbers. 
Uh, I could do 17. Gross. I don't like 13. <laughs> that would be cringe. Um, <laughs> we can do a top eight, go back to like MySpace days. <laughs> oh, I, I remember that. I don't. You don't. What do I, you, uh, the thing is, I never. I didn't really have MySpace either, though. I just didn't. I didn't have it for some reason. Well, Facebook had already taken over in like by like two thousand two thousand eight. You're right. Yeah, it was two thousand eight. Uh, That's crazy. I got on Facebook in two thousand six. By the way, I am no longer on Facebook. So, oh, nice. Good for you. Letterbox says a top four. What a tool. <laughs> yeah, for real. What a jerk. Clapping for your your friend who's doing something positive in his life. Good job, Michael. It's okay. I know that Sam has some feelings for me. Otherwise, he wouldn't keep showing up to these podcast sessions. It's true. Me and Michael are buddies. I mean, I have been paying him under the table this whole time. Mm-hmm. But, you know. <laughs> You've been paying him to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Just like my parents. Before hey. we met each other. More discourse, man. You got to really play it up like you like the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I went to, I was thinking about going to see The Green Knight one day last summer, and I got this mysterious check in the mail from someone I didn't know and said, you need to go mm. see this because there's a guy there that you're going to start a podcast with. And then oh, months yeah. later, I realized That definitely Brennan. had to have been Brennan because Mark would not have paid you. No, Mark wouldn't have paid me. That's really funny. Dude, what a great top 20. There's some some solid some Thanks, solid buddy. on there. I was really afraid that that you were gonna be like, really sleepless in Seattle. Wow. I think it's it's cringe if you're if you're like shaming someone on their top twenty, unless it it's like the Green Knights are number one or something. So if we had like well, yeah, behind the scenes, there's no point in me shaming you because I I asked you like, hey, what are your top twenty movies? Like you put some thought into this. Yeah, yeah, and you have good movies on there. Yeah, National Treasures in my top twenty. You make fun of me for that? <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me, y'all. It's yeah. weird being on this side of the microphone for sure. Well, it's not the first time that, that you have been on an episode, but this is the first time that it's been official. That it's you, your you, episode. Yeah. yeah. This is uh th- this has been a long time coming. And as I said at the beginning, we're coming finally and finally.